Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in the world, why they care, and most importantly, what you, the listeners, can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions and can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. I am, as always, your chief philanthropod and class clown for stopping temporary homelessness, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for self-sufficiency, Chris Miller. We were so close. So close to the Daily Double. Today, our guest is Maggie Hoy, president and CEO at Lindsay House. We talked to Maggie about how Lindsay House helps families find independence. We get some inspiring stories of graduates. And we get to do my favorite thing, which is bitch about Oklahoma's tax policy. It's the worst. Enjoy, everybody. We are very excited to have Maggie from, is it the Lindsay House or just Lindsay House? Lindsay House. All right. So just like the gathering place, which is the gathering place. <laughs> just gathering place. Anyway, I have to dig at that every <laughs> once in a while. I haven't done that in a while. Maggie, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes. So for our listeners who don't, who maybe heard of Lindsay House, Give us a quick rundown of what your organization does. Yes. Yeah, so we are a transitional living center. We specifically serve uh, women who are raising their children. So right now, 24 moms and 44 kids call Lindsay House home. Because they have a roof over their head, they can focus all of their time and energy on achieving other goals that will help them move towards self-sufficiency and independence. So we are trying to break generational cycles of poverty, incarceration, abuse, addiction, all of the things by providing them stable housing, access to curriculum on a variety of topics, and just wraparound support services. So they have access to problem solvers while they're working on building that solid foundation. So once they leave Lindsay House, they can go be productive heads of household, leading their family, um, and hopefully not need social services agencies um, in the future because of the wraparound intensive program that we offer at Lindsay House. So what brings your what brings people to Lindsay House? How do they how do they generally get connected with Lindsay House? So we have a handful of referral partners in the community, places like Women in Recovery, Resonance, Divis, people who are aware of what mm -hmm. we do, who know people who need our services. But a lot of people self-refer too. So they just find us on Google and say, I need that. I need people like you in my life to help me figure it out. In terms of life experiences, we have 24 moms, 24 very unique stories of how they've arrived mm -hmm. um, at Lindsay House. But we do have sort of common themes that we see. One of those themes is loss of a significant relationship or domestic violence. So we see a lot of moms who are starting over for one reason or the other. Another group of people might be overcoming a history of substance abuse. So they've sought treatment, they have at least nine months of sobriety, and they're ready to rebuild their next step. Um, and then we have a lot of people who just struggle to make ends meet. They just, inability to pay bills, inconsistent work history, all of the things that just have been really hard to maintain stable housing. Those are the kind of, if we were going to put people in buckets, those are the mm -hmm. buckets in which um, we would most likely put people and know that many of those things are co-occurring. Yeah. So you're not just a domestic violence survivor without also having some inability to pay bills. You're not just, you know, a, somebody who struggles with substance abuse without other elements of it. So it's all co-occurring, but those are the most common things um, that people might have in their history that has led them to need services like Lindsay House. So I imagine you have more than 
24 applicants to this program. So how does the, what is the, what I imagine is very emotion-inducing sort of filtering process of how you accept new people into the program? Yes. So, so far this year, we've had 287 people call, meet our bare minimum qualifications, need help, and want access to our services. We have a three-step application process. Calling is the first one. The second one is completing an application. 177 people have completed an application. We can serve 24 of those people at a time. So while we're grateful to do the work that we do, the need in the community is really daunting at times. We try to work with other nonprofits to refer them to people who can help, but there's just not enough resources to go around to meet the need. So we've done a lot of work to really try to identify what makes someone successful at Lindsay House. What can we best help them achieve in the year to two years that they're with us? And what could they do before they get there to kind of set them up for success? What can other people help them achieve? So we're really trying to get a better understanding of what qualifies someone for our services, but it's hard. It's really difficult work because everybody comes to the interview and their story is just heartbreaking. We're crying. They're crying. It's just a rough circumstance. And for some of those people, we will then move them in within months of that that interview. And then some of them, you know, Lindsay House is probably not going to be part of their story, but they're just as in need and deserving of, of help from somewhere so you really have to rely on other partners and and hope that the universe will find a way for them. How long do like on average how long is a a family with you? Mm-hmm. So a family stays at least a year. They can stay up to 2 years as long as they're actively working on goals. So in that first year they're going through that series of curriculum on financial literacy, workplace proficiency and life skills. So we are truly teaching them to fish. We are filling in all of the knowledge gaps um, that they might have in terms of budgeting, grocery shopping, parenting, how to get a stable job, how to negotiate benefits, what happens if you have a conflict in the workplace, all of these things that we think might arise that we can help them better be prepared to manage those situations. So that takes at least a year to complete. After that, we check in. What do you want to accomplish if you stayed longer? And based on that, we put together a plan. So the average length of stay is probably around 16 to 18 months, but they can stay up to two years, again, as long as they're actively working on those goals. So what kind of goals might they have that they want to accomplish? So we have five goals for every participant at Lindsay House. We're working to stabilize their employment, eliminate or significantly reduce any debt that they have, establish an emergency savings fund, learn to live within a budget, and then help them secure affordable housing after they leave our program. You all know that's very challenging in Tulsa right now. I'm sure we can get more into that later. Oh, yeah. But we have those five goals for everyone, but they define what success looks like for them, too. So they're setting their own individual goals. For some of them, it's education-related. Maybe they want to get their GED or a training course. Some want to reunify with their kids and regain custody. Others want to wrap up some legal hurdle that they might have. Some of them, like right now, we have a mom who is about to become a Habitat for Humanity homeowner. Oh, wow. Because that was a goal that she set for herself, and she's been working really hard for that. So it's really individualized um, what that 
those those goals might be, but we have those consistent goals um, for everyone. We think employment is such a critical part of um, making your household run long-term. You have to get a livable wage for yourself and for your family. And then obviously we want them to use this as an opportunity to reduce debt and build up that emergency savings. Life will happen after they leave Lindsay House. Their car battery will die, flat tire, unexpected expense. And we want them to have a little cushion for those things. So we focus a lot on on those five goals, but they're working on their own as well. So you also mentioned curriculum. How did you develop the curriculum? So the curriculum at Lindsay House has kind of been built over time. It started focusing on financial literacy type work, really just started with a budget. How can we help people manage a budget? And when we started to realize, you know, this was before my time at Lindsay House, but that wasn't always enough. It wasn't just how to manage the dollars and cents of it. It was really thoroughly understanding financial literacy. So they built that component out. And then they got some grant funding for workplace proficiency and life skills curriculum. And we've continued to adapt to that curriculum. So just earlier this year, we implemented some trauma-informed financial literacy curriculum into our curriculum with the thought that it's not always about not knowing that how to add up the dollars and cents. Sometimes you have to really reevaluate your relationship with money. Who talked about money when you were growing up? Uh, what were those conversations like? Did you feel like you had money? Did you feel like you didn't? What are your spending triggers? When are you most likely to be tempted to spend outside of your budget? Are you honest with yourself about spending outside mm-hmm. of your budget? So we really realized you have to sometimes dig a little bit deeper and make those connections. And we've seen true light bulb moments happen for people of like, oh, my spending habits are a direct result of how I saw my parents spending money, for example. So we've continued to adapt the curriculum. We just did, we're right now in the process of updating our life skills curriculum, again, with infusing some trauma-informed principles and ideas into that. And then we're looking forward to updating workplace proficiency. So it's not just like, here's the curriculum, it exists forever. We really try to adapt it based on the needs that we're seeing mm-hmm. for the participants at the time. I definitely buy my feelings, that's for sure. Um, yes. My own uh, uh, mental triggers for, for spending money, even though that's not how I was raised. Well, I guess maybe, maybe, maybe I was. <laughs> did Jesse just have a breakthrough moment yeah, there? I did. I, did, I, did. I think my mom bought her feelings. My dad does not. Yeah. So, right, so let's, you know, something I always want to make sure people understand. And I want you to sell this to our listening audience, even though my assumption is most of them agree. Talk about why stopping temporary homelessness is such an important goal. Yes. So our moms most likely are coming from an unstable housing situation. They're not coming from street homelessness or even a shelter type setting. Um, We know that mental health can decline significantly when they're in those. Any pervasive homelessness is just a mental strain on people who are experiencing that. And if you are a mom who's not only worried about yourself, but your kids, and the ongoing fear that you could lose custody of those children is just a terrible place to be, right? And how can we expect you to fix any other problems when that one is just all-consuming when you're experiencing it? And so that's exactly why Lindsay House exists. Like, let's provide you the support that you need so you don't spiral to rock bottom. Um, Because we do know that's a really expensive intervention once you get to that point. So we want to sort of provide that stability. And it's super important for the kids. Imagine if 
the school bus doesn't know where to come pick you up for school every day. Your mom doesn't have reliable transportation. You might not have food in the household. So without being at school, you're hungry. Like nobody is thriving in that situation. So if we can intervene early, then we can stop the adverse childhood experiences that we know matter when it comes to um, the long-term outcomes for children. So yeah, we're super passionate about intervening early and that this um, is just a less expensive intervention than should we allow the situation to get significantly worse and then try to offer assistance? They need help long before they get to that point. Uh, speaking of housing, you have a relatively new facility mm-hmm. as well. Can you talk about a little bit about that journey and what the new facility offers? Yeah, so we are located just north of downtown. We have 24 on-site apartments. For the first 10 years, Lindsay House was at 6th and Elgin in downtown. They had 12 apartments there. So we've doubled in capacity at our new facility, and it's beautiful. It's definitely focused on dignity when they built it. I love showing people around the building, and they're like, I could live here, or this was nicer than my first apartment. It's like, that's exactly the point. Like, this is home. People are going to live here for at least a year. We want them to feel comfortable. We want them to feel part of a community because we think that's a really important aspect. So we also love showing the building off. So people are always welcome to come take a tour of Lindsay House to see it for themselves. They'll see 24 apartments, a beautiful great room space, um, an outdoor playground so the kids can play together, a nice fully fenced-in backyard, community garden, play area for the kids, on-site food pantry and clothing closet, laundry mat, all things that you think you might need access to as a family are there in a really beautiful, supportive community. Is there space for pets? We do not allow pets at Lindsay House. We occasionally partner with SPCA to bring out um, some pets that they have that need socialization so our kids can still have that outlet. It's just not something we have. Uh, we do have 44 children. So add too many pets to that and things yeah. get chaotic real fast. <laughs> I understand for sure. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think there are days we wish we did have a <laughs> few pets. But um, right now we just have goldfish and a few house plants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine like what even like five dogs would do to it. <laughs> especially in apartments. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. I always felt bad for Boston people who had dogs in apartments. I'm like, I feel bad for that dog, mm-hmm. right? Um, dogs want to run around and play. So, okay. I mean, normally this is a question I save towards the end, but I feel like it's going to help focus our conversation a little bit more. If you had, say, if someone do- donated tomorrow, like a million dollars, or let's say a billion dollars, what would you do? If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber-rich. Tallgrass begs to differ! Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan's exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, 
it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more, because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pod for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pod for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. So we would love to serve more people. There's just such a need in the community. We are uniquely positioned to help families long-term. So there's a lot of great organizations that provide services, you know, 30 days at a time, 60 days at a time, and they're great. And we love that they're focusing on that area, but you can't always get it all put back together in 30 days. And sometimes you need longer than 60 days to do it. So the long-term nature of our program definitely sets us apart in the one-on-one services. So when we talk about curriculum, that is one program coordinator sitting down with one participant at a time, making sure that you understand it. It's tailored to your needs. It's landing in the way that it's it's clicking. The dots are connecting for you personally. So we would love more funding to do that because the need is there. And, you know, while a million dollars would be wonderful, like we definitely have hopes to grow Lindsay House in the future. We doubled in capacity to 24 units. The community could use a lot more. And so our board right now is actively working on what is the future of Lindsay House. And I don't think anyone involved thinks it will only be 24 facilities for the rest of time. We are eager to help meet the need of this unserved demographic in our community. So I know uh, kind of related to it, and one of the constraints you have to deal with is affordable housing. And I know that's not just you from interacting with Divis. I know it's a big problem for them as well with their extended stay apartments they have, they are able to treat less and less people because it's harder for them to get people onto the next step. So can you talk a little bit how it's affecting you? And if there's anything that you are all involved in with either other organizations or the city to try to tackle this big problem? Yes, it is absolutely a problem. I say to people all the time, like we I don't think the general public understands the depths of the housing crisis that we're facing right now. So if one of our goals is that people find affordable, safe housing after they leave and they don't have anywhere to go, the whole system gets backlogged. So if people need to stay at Lindsay House, then that's one last opportunity we have for a new family, which means they might be in an emergency housing program, which means they can't get people into their program. And so the whole the whole continuum of care in Tulsa doesn't work unless people have that last step, unless people have that long-term housing solution in our community. We have tried to get really creative when it comes to that. We will talk to anyone who is willing to help us solve that problem. There are some landlords in the community, people at Casey Robinson who are doing incredible work to be a second chance landlord, to understand that people have been through some stuff. They might have inconsistent rental history. They might not have the best credit score. They might have an eviction on their record, but somebody is willing to give them a chance. And we love people who are willing to work with us on that because our goal is that our graduates are leaving into a step that's just as supportive as the one that they came from at Lindsay House. 
And we want to be a landlord's first call. So if somebody's missing a rent payment or somebody's not able to keep up on things, we want them to call us because we maintain that relationship with our graduates and we can step in and help. So we've tried to kind of go that route. We're very involved in housing solutions. I'm sure many people mentioned that organization, but we are definitely at the table when it comes to all kinds of solutions as it relates to housing. And we're very much exploring all opportunities for private funding, for governmental funding, anything that could help support Mm -hmm. um, the demographic that we serve. It is an absolute challenge that we're seeing. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, I think, in the community. Um, But we're very open to talking to open-minded landlords or apartment complexes Mm -hmm. who are willing to give our families a chance. That makes a lot of sense. And I know the day center ultimately did a massive funding campaign and effectively built their own apartment complex when they limited in scope still uh, the Hudson Villas. Do you see a world where Lindsay House eventually does something like that, sort of a almost like a graduate housing for people who are ready for that next step? Yeah. So right now we're really, the board is actively researching what of those options might be most helpful and to best serve. So we could do more of what we currently do. And I think the community has the need for that. But again, if we can't solve for that next step, then maybe that's where we're better positioned to help out. And then our people would then, we would become their landlord and we would continue that relationship with our families in that way. So we are, all options are on the table at this point, And we're actively considering, which makes the the most sense. And we know a lot of private partners are coming in, coming to the table to talk about housing right now. So how can we partner with them? Do we need to do it ourselves? What exactly does that look like? So it's, I'm glad that we're talking about it as much as we are as a community, because it's definitely a challenge and not a challenge that the public sector is going to be able to solve alone. I was going to say, I think it's one of those situations where you're dealing with a group that is traditionally like a for-profit type of industry, right? Real estate and housing development is not, other than Habitat for Humanity, there are, there are not a lot of nonprofits out there building housing space, right? right? And, mm-hmm. and Habitat, for Hum- Habitat for Humanity builds homes, not apartment complexes. Right. And uh, it's one of those things where, like, do we need more nonprofit, like, apartment, apartment entities yeah. uh, out there? Just so that, one, someone else is out there building apartments, which we need, and two are a little more concerned about the people staying in the apartments versus just mm-hmm. renting them out constantly. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because we definitely have this supply and demand problem right now. And what is the long-term effect of that? So we have very little supply, a whole lot of demand. At what point will that correct itself is to be determined. Yeah. But there's also a lot of interesting research that talks about mixed income housing and everybody benefits when they live in a community of people who might be different than them. And so we maybe are most excited to talk to people about carving out a set number of their units to be affordable units. And we think that we are preparing our families to be perfect tenants in the future. Mm -hmm. They are not paying us rent, but we simulate a rent payment each month in what we call program fees and savings to help build that habit of paying rent on time. One of the main skills that we're teaching at Lindsay House is communicating proactively. If if you're struggling, let your boss know, let your landlord know, all of those things. So we think that we're doing a lot of things to kind of build those habits that would make somebody a great tenant, whether it's 
an apartment complex solely dedicated to, you know, people with lived experience like them or five units in a new apartment complex that's set aside so that that we have that mixed income kind of model. So we're very excited about all the potential um, that could help us find solutions because right now there's just not near enough. Yeah. I mean, that that is a really great solution. I know the city has fought to try to get, you know, what's traditionally called Section 8 housing built because there are so many more people with vouchers than actually space to use them. And a lot of traditional landlords don't want to accept them. But a solution, like you're saying, having a component of all of these. Because if you look, unfortunately, a lot of the apartments being built right now are more on the high end side. Looking right. at you, Davenport. <laughs> <laughs> and and obviously that's not a functionally useful in a housing crisis. It means the small number of people who can afford that will use that. Maybe they'll upgrade from this apartment to another apartment. But the vast majority of people who already can't afford are not getting any additional inventory. And so they're stuck with unable to use their vouchers or they have if they have them or to... Yeah, pay just for an affordable one out of their own income. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the best things that the housing solutions invested in is that housing study that shows that we're behind at every income level. So even luxury units, we could use more of those in the community. And I think why it's so important is because it shifted the conversation from we have a homelessness issue to we have a housing issue. And everyone can see themselves in a housing issue. Mm-hmm. And so I think reframing those those conversations just become really critical of it's not this or that. It's all of it together. Right? And how do we make those systems work in a way that really serves people in our community? Because these are our neighbors that we're talking about. So I think that's been a really helpful way to say, you want more luxury housing? Yeah. The market says we need that. We also need more you know, workforce housing. We also need significantly more affordable housing and how can we meet all of those goals together it's uh it's one of those interesting challenges where the city knows they need more housing on all the all these different levels right but then to get all the partners they need on board with that like there are people who profit off the fact that there aren't enough houses of all different types here in town mm-hmm. and so how do you get those people on, involved right because there's we don't want a, a housing crash where there's too many too many places even though i think that's a Tulsa problem that we would love to have yeah. this particular moment. <laughs> yeah. It's but it's like so I you you interact with a lot of different <sighs> nonprofits and issues that people trying to keep their lives together interact with. Which one? This is more of a personal question, unless mm-hmm. a Lindsay House question. Like Chris and I like to vent about and rant about our sort of like the, the hobby horse, the thing that annoys us the most about our world and how it doesn't work properly. Mine is I-244, where's Oklahoma <laughs> tax policy? Yeah. What Ooh. is your thing where you're just like, why why does this problem exist? Like that anger just angers you when you think about it. I do think it is related to Lindsay House, but I think the fact that we're leaving so many people to fend for themselves is heartbreaking. And I can drive around Tulsa and I don't want to live in a community where people have to sleep under the bridge, for example. I do not blame the people who are sleeping under the bridge. This is a community failure, in my opinion, in in the fact that we want them to go somewhere else or we want them to move around or we want to police the fact that they're sleeping under the bridge. Like, that's not a solution to the problem. So I think that's my hobby horse. It's like we're having the wrong conversations and we're creating the wrong enemies in the conversation. And I see it every day. I see 
you know, we specifically serve women and I see moms who are doing everything they can to get ahead. And I know that's true for, you know, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness as well. And the system is hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. to navigate. When you start to slip in those things, you know, maybe your job isn't as steady and then you can't afford your bills and then you're, you get evicted and then your car payment and all of the things, it can get away from you really quickly. And we like to kind of other people who have those life experiences when the reality is that we're all dangerously close to being in that same place ourselves. And so it is a very passionate thing for me. And I, I worked at Iron Gate soup kitchen and food pantry where we served um, a lot of people who are experiencing homelessness and others as well. But that's kind of always been a real passion point for me um, is that these are our neighbors. These are fellow Tulsans. Whether you know their name or not, we should be working harder to support Mm -hmm. them, in my opinion. And now I'll try to radicalize you against Oklahoma's tax policy and how it affects this. (laughs) So in Oklahoma, for municipalities... They can only use sales tax or property tax. And even those, they're restricted on what those specific items can fund. So obviously you create a regressive tax structure. In the state of Oklahoma, it is illegal for a municipality to do any kind of income tax or value-add tax, which are taxes that could balance the tax burden across income brackets. And so it also makes it to where a city that wants to increase funding either for schools or for municipal services are barred by the state constitution to do so. And it causes a lot of issues with funding around our schools, as we know, but also funding social services like these. So if Tulsa wanted to build an affordable housing complex, the legal hoops they would have to jump through because the state constitution makes it virtually impossible to. Yes, I need no convincing (laughs) on this point. We're also setting municipalities up to compete with each other. Mm -hmm. So limited resources, competition, when we should be looking at them for collaboration on solving some of these problems. So yes, right there with you. Mm -hmm. I... My master's is in public administration. Oh, you know so more of this policy, than I do. Public policy, nonprofit management. <laughs> okay. I'm right there. You're with all you. over this. Oklahoma tax policy. <laughs> nice. I mean, Oklahoma, in a, in a hilarious way, our state constitution stops us from fixing problems quite often. And it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it's why I the only like, way to fix them is by making the constitution longer. We already have the longest, longest constitution, constitution yeah. in the country. <laughs> yeah. Longest constitution. Right, no. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, yeah, I Sorry. hate it too. So weirdly enough, the two places I've lived in my life, Oklahoma and Massachusetts, are, their constitutions are known for two specific things. One, Oklahoma has the longest. Massachusetts is the most religious constitution. Like it has the most the use of the word God in it a lot, which I think is funny considering what the state of Massachusetts is now or what it's accused of being, I should say. Yeah. Um, I pay more taxes in the state of Oklahoma than I ever did in Massachusetts, but whatever. So you've talked about how you want to, like one, it'd be great to just build 24 more mm-hmm. apartments. Plus. Um, yeah. Plus, yeah, hundreds, <laughs> thousands. What other than, so in your interactions with other nonprofits and city entities, like where is the, where's the friction where say like, if we have someone listening who wants to volunteer or like is connected to something like where, where, where can we release some friction in some, in some of this? Like, where's like, and like, I, I, you, you don't need to badmouth other nonprofits or social entities. <laughs> I don't want you doing that. We can do that off air. But 
like where is is there is there like a small knot somewhere that like someone you know who's working for a specific thing or has a specific set of of knowledge could be of use to specific set of skills yeah 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 where uh where could liam neeson help? yes where could, where could liam neeson type help here yeah i think for us the biggest challenge we see is in that permanent next step affordable housing and so people who have expertise in financing those options and what is happening in other cities because we're talking about this a lot, I think people are more open to ideas about other cities, you know, expertise and what did they learn. And I know a big group from the community just went to Austin. And they really talked a lot about housing and homelessness in there. And like, if we think we have it bad here, look at Austin and other places that we can kind of learn from. So for us, the challenge that we are definitely facing is is where do people go they have this incredible opportunity at Lindsay House, but if they move into a place that's too expensive or unsupportive or unstable, we're at risk of everything that all the progress they made being really quickly erased. Um, so that's something that's super top of mind. It's the problem that I'm probably most ongoing solving at Lindsay House is just where are people going and how can we help identify those places for them? And I know that we're not alone in that. We talk to Divis all the time. Their transitional living program faces the same challenges. We work with Family Promise. We work with other organizations. There's just not enough places for people to go. So we would love to expand our program. But putting, you know, 48, let's call it 100 moms in a program like Lindsay House, we're still going to be facing that same next step challenge until we can solve for that a little bit easier. When you are looking at housing, are you looking at a specific type? You know, rent versus purchase, home versus multifamily. Yeah. So what kind of are you looking for? We see that our moms are interested in all of it. So for some of them, the dream of homeownership, like it is the American dream, right? Like people really want that. Other people are like, I am not ready for the responsibility of being a homeowner. So we really try to meet them where they are. Habitat has been a great partner of ours. I, I said we have a mom recent who's about to move into her first Habitat home. To go from a program like ours into being a homeowner is, is significant. And in this market, Habitat is really the only way for our participants to, to go in that direction. But I think some people, are they want a townhouse. Some people want to just rent a, a single family home throughout the community. So we really try to work with people on where's work? Where is church? Where do you hang out? Like, where is the location that might make the most sense for you to be? And let's explore your options um, within that area. So for some people, they want to stay around where Lindsay House is now because their kids are in school there. It's just a place where they've really come to call home. And other people are like, I want to start over on the other side of town. So we, all of it, I think, is, yeah. is what people are open to. Um, but we see a lot of people who are just making a sacrifice to take the thing that they can afford because they have fear of something else not working out. Gotcha. Have Have, have you ever had a conversation with Habitat for Humanity of like trying to make an apartment complex? Like, have there you have you broached those conversations? Is something they're even interested in? Yeah. So we have conversations on a pretty regular basis with them. So they have Boomtown Development, which is sort of working in the rental space. And then Habitat for Humanity on the homeownership side. So it's been a really great connection for us to make. And 
I think it's an example. I hear all the time, like nonprofits should just collaborate more. (laughs) And I'm like, you have no idea. Like that's what we're spending our time doing because we are so laser focused on client outcomes that if another organization can help get our people there faster or better, we want to bring them to the table. So there is so much collaboration <laughs> happening, and we're just big fans of what they're doing over there. I will say the Tulsa nonprofit scene benefits from the sort of Tulsa nature of everybody just knowing everybody else because it makes collaboration a lot easier because you definitely know somebody who's working for another nonprofit. Like if you know, you at least know one person who knows somebody. It's so quick to get those collaborations going. We're in a much bigger city. It takes longer. And so Mm -hmm. that's a benefit I feel like Tulsa has, which is nice. Yeah, there's no six degrees of separation. It's like one or two at best, (laughs) which is helpful. You've either worked with somebody or you're friends with somebody or you worked with someone who used to work there. Or you yourself used to work for a place. Like (laughs) they're, they're all there. Yeah. So do you have any, I don't know, maybe memorable or favorite success stories? So many success stories. Yes, that are definitely not written down that you're not written from. <laughs> I just didn't want to forget all no, the details. No, no. We that's actually one of the favorite my favorite parts of Lindsay House is we get to know these families. We know their kids. We know uh how hard they've worked. We get to see real change happen over time. So one of my I say they're all my favorite participants. So just know that it applies to all of them. Her name is Ty and she went through women in recovery. She's the mom of three kids and she worked in a food service job when she arrived at Lindsay house. And that's just hard. I, I tell people everybody should work in food service once in their life, but that's not everyone's future. And so she was working in food service and we talk about all the time, like she needed that job to know that she wanted something different for herself And she went to welding school while she was at Lindsay House. Um, She is now making more than $25 an hour um, at a really great employer. She's been promoted. I think every time I talk to her, she's gotten another promotion. So to go from, you know, I think it was $8 an hour part-time to $25 an hour plus full-time with benefits at an employer that believes and invests in her, that will change the trajectory of her life. Um, And that's just one example. Marie came to us from Resonance. She did Goodwill's forklift certification program. So Goodwill is an incredible training partner of ours. In four Saturdays, you can learn and be certified to drive a forklift. And she did that program. She got a great job as a forklift driver. She now works in a variety of things in a manufacturing setting, making $18 plus an hour full-time it's so exciting to see people bring home their benefits package for the first time. And it's like, what do I do with all of this? Or, yeah, that's um, very good. As somebody who's been getting benefits for a long time, it's still confusing every year. Yes. I call my mom every time. I'm like, now what do I write down <laughs> like, on this form? But it's just exciting to see hard work pay off. Um, and she's been there probably more than two years at this point at the same employer. And it's gone really well. Tara who's the mom of two. She was at Lindsay House. She started her own small business, Tea's Tasty Treats. And it was really, it became a creative outlet for her. And her, she just recently, a teacher of her oldest kids sent her a note um, that basically said like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that your kid's doing really great at school. And sometimes hardworking kids don't get the recognition they deserve. And you're obviously doing something right at home. And that was really meaningful for her Mm -hmm. because there was a time in which she was not in her oldest daughter's life. 
And so to be able to say like, we've overcome that hurdle Mm -hmm. and that the benefits of that are paying off is really rewarding. Um, Similar story for Stephanie. She was the mom of three. She regained custody and reunited with all three kids while she was living at Lindsay House. She has an incredible job as like a research study navigator at Oklahoma State University working on a project where they're looking at um, the impact of addiction on brain health for moms and children. So she, there was a time in her life where she didn't know if she would ever have custody of her kids again. And to think that because of the hard work that she did and because of the support she had, now they're a whole family unit um, living together, thriving. Her son was on the honor roll, named honor roll twice last year. It just shows what what can be possible whenever people have an opportunity, but whenever they make the most of that opportunity that they're given. We have participants right now who are putting in a lot of hard work. Michelle is one of those. She's a mom of three. She recently got her driver's license for the first time in 10 years. She is 100% debt-free. She is looking to go back to school and considering those options. So she's seen... A, a lot of success. And our newest, most recent graduate is Nicole. She also graduated from Women in Recovery, also got her driver's license, purchased a car for the first time, has a really incredible job. So we can see all of the pieces come together for families. And while graduations at Lindsay House are always a little bittersweet, like you're sad to see them go, you know that they're ready and they have all the tools. They're armed with the knowledge. They know to reach out, to ask for help. So it's just so rewarding to see like this is how cycles of of poverty and incarceration and abuse happen. And it's only possible because the moms are putting in a whole lot of hard work so that their kids' lives get to be different than their own. Well, I mean, I think I think anyone who's listening is already on board so like <laughs> how can people do, do you need obviously you always need money you're a nonprofit. So, <laughs> yes. so first like tell us how people can give but also like are there volunteer opportunities that people can use to, to help if, if if they're not able to give necessarily but want to help in some way as well as any kind of like events or anything yes. else news that people should know about yes we are 100% funded by the generosity of the community so people like you and me who think this is a mission that I care about in my will matter and my $100 will matter. It takes all of us wanting to chip in. So financial contributions are great. Um, We have an event every month. It's called Second Saturday. This is ideal for employers or church groups or neighborhood associations or social clubs who want to come in and plan a (coughs) family-friendly event for our families. And that's the best chance to see Lindsay House in action. So it's usually a Saturday morning that's why we call it the second Saturday event. <laughs> Saturday morning, they come in and they do arts and crafts. They cook food together, whatever it might be. But it involves, it allows our families to have just a nice time, low cost, but allow families to create memories together. So we are gearing up for the holidays at Lindsay House. There's a number of ways to get involved. Uh, we want to make the holidays special for the families who call Lindsay House home. So if people are interested in that, they should definitely reach out. And then we take donations of when a family moves into Lindsay House, they're moving into a fully stocked apartment. So we have a standard inventory list, everything from the sheets on the bed to shower curtain, silverware, crock pot, coffee pot, everything they need. We assume they come with nothing, which is usually a safe assumption to make. 
So community members help stock those apartments. So that's an ongoing opportunity. Um, Some people are like, we'll stock a kitchen. We'll do a bedroom. But that means that the family has all new stuff when they move into that apartment. When they leave, they take all that with them. So it's their crockpot forever. Their silverware. And it's a way to invest directly into um, the families while getting that fun experience of going shopping together or, you know, collecting those items as a a co-working group or whatever it might be. So those are some of the ways. Financial gift is definitely the easiest and best way to support us. There's ways to get involved if you want to spend time at Lindsay House and then helping provide the items for the families. It just helps it feel like home from the day they move in. Well, that's awesome. I will obviously put a link to uh, your website Please. in the show notes because, again, we don't need to spell it out in audio formats. No one can write that down <laughs> that quickly. So, yeah. HTTPS. Gotta be secure. Anyway, Maggie, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. And I really do hope that, one, I now know I've got kitchen items I can donate. So, because I don't want to throw things away. And hopefully, especially gearing up for the holidays, we'll. This will lead to lots of people doing lots of things. Every once in a while that happens and that makes mm-hmm. me happy. So yeah. yes. so thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you all for shining a light on organizations like ours. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I've heard of Lindsay House once or I've never heard about the work that you do. So thanks for this opportunity to share more. And we would love to tell you know anyone who's even interested, please reach out, come to her, learn more about what we do. Um, and we would be grateful to partner with anyone. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to our episode with Maggie. Uh, what a great organization. Please give them all of your old kitchen stuff and clothes and whatever you need and money. They deserve it. They're doing great work. I'm not even going to like try to pivot to talk about how you should like and subscribe, Pod for Good. I'm just going to say give stuff to the Lindsay House. Thank you all for listening. As always, Broken Arrow, you've stayed out of the news recently, so you get, you get a pass this month. But get it done, Telsa. Stay warm and be kind to each other out there. 